Welcome to the Social Business Hangout featuring Robert Levine, your social business mentor. The Social Business Hangout podcast series is available on iTunes. This podcast was recorded in Brantford, Ontario in front of a live audience. Welcome everybody. This is the Social Business Hangout and it is my distinct honor to have Walter Gretzky as my guest today. Walter, introduce yourself. I'm Walter Gretzky, Ward Mayor of Brentford, Ontario, Canada, the center of the universe. Thank you, you very much. You are the Lord Mayor, and we've actually done, and you, you won't believe this, we've done over 98 podcasts talking about Brantford. People around the world wow. listen to this podcast and learn about Brantford. Wow. And I'll tell you, it's been two years, and for two years I'm like, you know what? When I do the 99th podcast, there's only one person that's going to be in this chair, and that's you. So this is the 99th podcast, but I'll call it the 99.9. That's How's it, that? that's it. Tell me a bit about Brantford, because you, sir, are an ambassador for this great city. Well, it's the center of the universe, as I always say. It's, it's a wonderful city, and everybody's welcome in the city. We have everything here. We have sports, uh, everything you can imagine for the young kids, the older, the adults, everything. What was it like growing up in this area? Because you've seen quite a few changes in the area. You've seen it grow. Tell me a bit about growing up in the area. Well, I remember I came from a farm, of course, and then moved to the city after in my early 20s. And I remember it was all factories, Massey Ferguson's, Cox House, White Farm. All that's gone now because everything moved away to China and Japan. So, but it's a little different in that respect. It's still a wonderful city. Mm-hmm. What do you think about stuff like the Grand River and stuff like that? Because we have such beauty in this area as well. I, I don't think that we advertise it enough, that, that beauty about the Grand River, because it is a beautiful river. It's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you're known for is the house that you've lived for the better part of your life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the ice rink and stuff like that. Tell me a bit about that that, that homestead or the, well, the latest homestead. Everybody thinks I made a rink in the backyard so Wayne could be a hockey player. But 40, 40 years ago, 45 years ago, everybody used to have an outdoor rink because winters were a lot colder and it was easy to make a rink. And I used to go take Wayne to these outdoor rinks Kids don't feel the cold till they come home and start thawing out. And I couldn't sit in, in the car with the car running because gas was 18 cents a gallon, for heaven's sake. A so whole 18 cents. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't waste my money with that. And I came home one night and I said to my dear wife, Phyllis, this is so stupid. She said, what's that? I said, I go to these outdoor rinks. I freeze to death. You know what I'm going to do? She said, what's that? I'll make a rink in the backyard. He can go out when he wants. As long as he wants, I'll be in the house where it's nice and warm. It truly, truly was self-reservation. It worked out good. You know, at the end of the day, some of the things that we do are, are a bit uh, right. selfish yeah. uh, for, for a good True. reason. Now, I know that, that Wayne is obviously a big topic of conversation, mm-hmm. but believe it or not, I want to talk about you. Now, we've had multiple conversations mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, you probably don't remember mm-hmm. them, but there's a few things that quite often come up you know, in those conversations. Tell me a bit about being a white Russian. Well, if you said to my dad, are you Russian, Mr. Gretzky? He would have an absolute fit. He would say, yeah, yeah. Throw his hands up in the air, yeah, yeah. He would say, Belaruski, white Russian, because they were the ones who supported the czar. That's why we're here. 
they were the wealthy landowners. They had to flee the country because of the communists, mm-hmm. and that's that's why we're here. Now, one of the things that that you you quite often bring up when you bring that up is the fact that in this country there's certain things that we're capable of doing that if we were to do it elsewhere in the world, we wouldn't be able to. Oh, Your thoughts on oh, that? Yeah. Well, you can't. In some countries in the world, you can't walk up to a stranger and start joking, laughing. You can't do just something like like I always do, as you know. Mm-hmm. You get shot or stabbed or beaten to death right on the spot. It's totally different. And a lot of Canadians don't realize how lucky they are to be Canadians. They truly don't. Now, you've been pretty much everywhere in Canada in, in yeah. both professional and, and, and just, you know, being who you are. Tell me a bit about that Canadian experience. Well, it's just so wonderful to be a Canadian when you go to Europe and they find out you're a Canadian. You're a special person. Truly, no matter which country in the world it is, you go to, they say, you're a Canadian, are you? Really, eh? They'll say, really? You really are a Canadian, eh? We're, we're well-respected all over the world. Why is that? What do you think? Why do you think I think it's the honesty, and, and here we're all equal in Canada. There's no such thing as first-class or second-class citizens. We're all first-class citizens. We're all equal. Now, one of the things that we talked about in the previous interview with a good friend of yours, Sandy, is uh, the Lung Association, your involvement with it. Yeah. But more importantly, there's two events that, that are you know, associated to you. One is associated to your darling wife. Tell me a bit about the golf tournament and, and why that's so important. Well, the golf tournament, we raise a lot of money and there's a lot of togetherness there. People come not just to raise money, but just to associate with their friends and people who've had lung problems and, and to help those who have them right now. And that's why we have the golf tournament and the, and the street hockey tournament. That's another wonderful thing. As, as you know, we're in the World Guinness Book of Records for the most teams ever, ever in a street hockey tournament. Isn't that incredible? It is. It in is. England, England. The tournament we've talked about this before is actually the reason that I'm in Brantford. So in many ways, that tournament see, brought see. me here. I would have never come to Brantford That's had it exactly not been for. That's exactly what I said. See, and I'll be honest, I don't think I will ever leave. Really, you know? That's wonderful to hear. Now, going back to um, being who you are in the city of Brantford, you can't walk the street without people recognizing you. You can't go into the civic center without being swarmed. Tell me how that feels. It's wonderful. Is it? And for me, it's special because twice in my life I wasn't supposed to live to see morning. So I know what it's like for someone to say hi to me and smile and for me to be able to say hi back. I remember in 1991 when I had my aneurysm, I laid in the bed for 10 months. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who my family were. Time today for me from the early 70s to the year 2000 doesn't exist. I lost my short-term memory. But one good thing about not having a short-term memory, there is an advantage. My golf games improve like you and we. <laughs> People say it's cheap, but I just don't remember. <laughs> one of the things that I always see when I see you in public is when you're surrounded by children, you just beam up. You know, yeah. the kids come to you, they, they, they yeah. want an autograph, they want a picture of you, but they just want to be around you. What, what's it like being, you know, it's, idolized it's by so many so children? So wonderful, so wonderful. And 
one of the fascinating things is children who are eight, nine, ten years old, to show you how smart the children are today are compared to when I was that age. They'll say, could I get your autograph, Mr. Grassi? I'll say, sure, what's your name? Billy. As soon as I start writing, they'll say, would you mind just signing W. Gretzky, please? <laughs> Eight, nine, ten years old, then they can say it's Wayne's autograph. That's how sharp the kids of today are. And when I hear them say that, I think I would not have known to do that when I was that age. What is it like being Canada's hockey dad? Well, you're always busy. The doorbell ring. I'll say, can I help you, Mr. Gretzky? We got a mother, father, son, daughter, so on, son who's only got a month or so to live. Can you come to the hospital with us? Maybe they'll live like you did Kenya and they start crying. Or doorbell ring, can I help you? We got a golf tournament next Saturday. You got a hockey stick signed by Wayne Gretzky or photographs signed by Wayne Gretzky. Auction items mm -hmm. to raise money. Of course, Wayne sends me things for just for that day. One of the things that should be in a museum but is actually in your basement is quite a few mementos. Tell me a bit about your basement. Well, some, some of the things aren't there because they're in the Hockey Hall of Fame and at the Gretzky Restaurant in Toronto. And we have at the, the arena here a few things. And the rest are, are at, at the house in the basement, just on shelves and on the floor. And of course, Mrs. Gretzky would actually be screaming they're all over the place. Clean that mess up. <laughs> you brought up Phyllis, and I know that she had something for angels. Tell me a bit about that. It was just one thing I've never, ever, never, ever figured out. She always, always, she was truly, truly obsessed with angels. Just loved them that much. When it, when it came to Christmas time, she had angels hanging outside in the house, everywhere around our our property, everywhere, all over the place. She just loved angels that much. Truly did. Wow. The beauty of being a family man is that, you know, yes, you're known for one son, but you've got quite a very established family. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your children. Well, there's there's our son, Keith. He's the next one after Wayne. And then there's, <clears throat> he works for the Boston Bruins. Mm -hmm. And then there's Glenn who works for Wayne Gretzky Foundation. And then there's Brent, who's an OPP officer, and our daughter, daughter Kim, of course. And uh, we had someone else who lived with us since 1988. She's gone now. She died seven years ago. I had a mentally challenged sister who lived with my wife and me and our family. And she was like a two- or three-year-old child mentally. Mm -hmm. They seldom reach 40. Three more months, she'd been 60 when she passed away. Wow. Yeah. Now, you spend quite a bit of your time, you know, alone at home or whatnot. Yeah. Tell me how, how, that, how that is these days. Well, it's kind of lonely, but I'll always go to the rinks or I'll go someplace so I don't stay at home by, by myself. Well, I know one of the things that you enjoy doing is walking the golf courses, looking for oh, golf yeah, balls yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and the, the bags of golf balls are sitting on the porch right now. And, of course, if Phyllis saw them, she'd be throwing them at me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I remember someone telling me a story about you and Phyllis, and it was something along the lines of, you know, you were doing your typical talking, yeah. and Phyllis disappeared, and you went around, and got, where's Phyllis? Like, here's 20, she went home, here's a, here's money <laughs> for her camera. That happened. Now, one of the things that I, I, I can't believe that you are, you are a Leafs fan. Why is that? 
always, always was because of my parents. They were always Lee fans. My mother was an absolute Lee fan. Truly, she was obsessed with them. And of course, one of the reasons being Frank Mahalovich, of course, they sent my mother's poet so she could relate to that scene. Mm. When you think about, uh, we brought up the family earlier, I know that, um, you know, you are extremely proud of your son who's now an OPP officer. Tell yeah. me a bit about that. Since he was six years old, Brent wanted to be an OPP officer. Since he was six years old, but of course he tried to make it in the hockey, which he did. He played in the NHL for a while, and then he retired. And then, then he uh, went and applied with OPP. But I was very surprised to find out one thing. Not only do they check him, they check the mother, father, brothers, sisters. Good thing I was away for six months. <laughs> it's not as if they wouldn't be able yeah. to find out who you are. And not only that, they used to send you 500 miles away from home automatically. That's gone. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're stationed right at your hometown. And the reason was, guys were joining OPP, staying two, three, four years, and then quitting, going back to back to the local police force. So they had to stop that. Mm -hmm. And clearly having you know him nearby has got to be a great thing. And there was one thing that happened recently. We had the big unveiling of the statue. Oh, yeah. You know, and you had all your family there, and your son was right there in full uniform gear as well. Yes. What was that day like for you? Well, it was hard not to cry the whole time that I was there. Can you imagine? We would, I would never have ever thought some of that would happen, ever, ever, ever. Even when it was happening, I couldn't believe it was. Truly couldn't. Well, I remember seeing your reaction when they displayed the fact that they named the street after you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, my mother was of European descent. And to make a statue of a person, that was un unheard of. Yes. Because of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not worship statues, idols, false gods. My mother, would, she flipped out when they made a statue of Wayne in Edmonton. Now, they've taken that statue in Edmonton and made something fairly similar here in Brantford, but right. they made one addition to it, and that is you, Phyllis, and right. a young Wayne. As a little, little boy standing there, the three of us, yeah. What was it like, and I know that there's many aspects that you don't remember, but there's aspects you do remember, he had a fascination with number nine. Tell me a bit about that if you... He, since he was a little boy, he always wanted to have wear number nine because of Gordie Howe. He was fascinated with Gordie Howe. Always, always was from the time he was little. And of course, he wore number nine. Wherever he played, he wore number nine. When he got to, to Sault Ste. Marie, there was already a person, he was 17 years old, who already had number nine, Brian Galassi. We can't take it from a player from the previous year at nine. So he tried number 16, number 17, number 18, 19. Kept telling the coach and he called us, they just don't feel right on my back. The coach, Muzz McPherson, got so mad. He said, Wayne, you want nine so bad? Put two nines on your back. Wayne says, I have enough trouble one nine. Never mind, I'm going to make you a sweater with two nines. And he made that sweater for him. Wayne was 17 years old and Sault Ste. Marie playing junior A. And he wore it ever since. And... One more thing, Wayne is not the first person to ever wear number 99. A man from the Montreal Maroons in 1931, he wore number 99. I forget his name again. I think it's Smith, but I'm not sure. Montreal Maroons, 1931. He was the actual first person to ever wear 99. 
And now no one will ever wear that number no, ever again. It's not. That's got to be pretty spectacular when you think about the accomplishments and your yeah. involvement in that. Now, one of the things that you are known for is quite a famous saying, going to where the puck's going to be, not where, not it where it's been. Not where it's been. Tell me the mindset behind that. Well, I would, I would show Wayne. I'd stand at the boards at the blue line, and I'd say, you should fire the puck along the boards, and it goes along the boards in behind the net. And, I, and then I would say, this is how everybody chases after the puck. He'd shoot it, and I'd follow it all the way around, and I'd end up behind the net, behind the puck, with the puck. Then I would say to him, this is how you should do it. He fired that puck, and he fired it along the boards, and I cut across there. I was there before the puck got there, and it came right to me. Go to where it's going to be, not where it's been. Mm -hmm. And that's true in many ways, not it just is. in hockey, it is. isn't it? It is, and everything, really. It is very much a thing. Now, one of the things that you brought up earlier, obviously, is the aneurysm, and that affected you a lot. But one of the things that I love about that story is that your daughter, Kim, met her future husband oh, yeah, through that. Tell me a true. bit about that, that story. Well, I laid in the bed for 10 months because <clears throat> I couldn't walk. I didn't even know how to put on a pair of shoes. Well, you were also speaking Ukrainian during oh, that Oh, I never spoke English. Mm -hmm. My dear wife, Phyllis, said she didn't know what she was going to do because... She's a descendant of General Isaac Brock, who died at Queenstown Heights, so you know how English that is. I said, what's the big deal? You don't listen to me in English anyway. <laughs> so, but anyways, I, I spoke Ukrainian for the first little while, because that's the first language I ever learned. Now, through that uh, process of, of rehabilitating yourself, you know, and you've, mm -hmm. there's books been written about it or whatnot, Kim was with you with uh, your, your... Yeah, uh, what happened was... After I left the hospital after 10 months, then Ian left the hospital because that's where he worked, and he stayed with me for two and a half years. He would come every day at 8 o'clock in the morning. He would stay with me all day long until I went to bed. I didn't even know how to open a door. I didn't know shoes went on your feet. I was a zombie. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned zombie because there's a, 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 a joke there as well. The player was Joe Lamb. Joe Lamb. The first 99? 1929. So, really? Sam, so in 1929, Joe Lamb was the first person. Yeah, okay, I said it was 1931. It was 1929. There you go. From, from the Montreal Maroons. Now, one of the things that I love about the story of your rehabilitation and whatnot is the attitude that you got out of it. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know exactly what you were like before, but I definitely know how you are now. Wayne may be the great one, but really at the end of the day, you're the grateful one, aren't you? Well, you know what? I was always grateful before my aneurysm, but even more so after. I know what, it, I know what it's like. I wasn't supposed to live the night in 1991 <clears throat> after Dr. DeVille operated for six and a half hours. I've lost my memory. I couldn't walk for a year. I just laid in a bed. I couldn't move. They knew who my family were. I know what it's like, mm -hmm. and I appreciate it. I always did before, but even more so now. And I think that's something that a lot of people that may have a lot mm -hmm. sometimes need to lose something before they realize right, what they right. have. Right, right. They isn't? don't realize how lucky they are. They truly, truly don't. And I think that's one of the things I love about the city, because one of the things that we've done is we've interviewed so many people in this city, and this is a hard city to, to make a living, it, yeah, it's, you yes. know, especially now. 
I think we have a lot more people that are aware of what they have. But sometimes when you go to Toronto, you don't get that same no, sense, would you? No, they don't realize how lucky they are. They just take it all for granted, just keep going, never even think about it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I do. I, I realize how fortunate I am because I remember standing between two two bars and, and all I could do was swing from side to side. I couldn't even walk. I know what it's like to walk. I know what it's like not to walk. I couldn't walk for a year. And you're 76 now, yeah. and you're still, you know, to your point, even given everything you've through, you drive your own car, yeah, you, you, yeah. you go to your McDonald's, get your, yeah, your daily breakfast yeah. and whatnot, you know. You're still very much an independent individual oh, for yeah, your age. Yeah. And you travel the world. Yeah. I have my daughter who comes in and does all the washing and all that because I'm of European descent, which means the boys weren't allowed in the kitchen. You didn't do it. Wash clothes, you didn't iron them, you didn't pack them away. I don't know how to do any of that. Kim comes in and does all that every couple of days. Well, I also know that, that you know, whenever there's an event, we always give you a little bit of extra food to bring home as well. Well, there you go. See, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. One of the things that I want to talk a bit about as well is the, the, the uh, Walter Gretzky Street Hockey Tournament because it's taking place on Father's Day this year for the first yeah. time. And I think that's pretty spectacular because we actually have a, a gentleman that's been coming to the event for many years. He's actually from Philadelphia. And I reached out to him this morning and I said, yeah, yeah. if you could ask Walter a question, what would it be? And it's funny, his wife is pregnant right now. And the first question that came up to mind is, could you ask Walter what advice he could give me to be the best father I could be? You have thoughts on that? What really? would you tell Mark? What would be some of the things that you would share for someone that, that you know is about to come to Brantford and have a child with them on Father's Day for the first time? What are some of the advice that you may pass on to, to someone bringing up a child this day? Always be thankful for what you have. You don't have to have Cadillacs, cars, and Lincolns and things like that. Just be thankful for what you have. You have your, the child in health and happiness. And you brought up, you know, five, five beautiful kids. You know, you're, yeah. you're a fairly stern man when you need to be, and you're a very generous man. Where does that balance come into play? Because I know one of the quotes that, that Wayne is known for is that you would bring him up, but you would also bring him down. You know, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, we're all equal. It's, it's very important. Never make yourself think you're, you're any better than anybody else. We're all equal. We're all special. Every one of us is special. That's, that's the way I look at life. Now, one of the things that may happen by the time, and I, I can't do my math well, actually, if I do the math well, it will happen. When the next Gretzky tournament takes place, you're going to be a great-grandfather. What does that well, feel like? Wow. It's hard to imagine. Never dreamed it would ever happen. Great-grandfather. Wow. You see, now you get to put the word great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the ambassador of Brantford, as a person that constantly speaks yeah. about Brantford, as the Lord Mayor of Brantford, what would you tell people about Brantford and why should they come and visit Brantford? Because it's the best city in the whole world, especially in Canada, and we have everything here. And, and the, the best thing about it is all the people are wonderful who are here, and everybody will help each other here. That's one of the good things about our city council. You go to them, they'll help everybody, no matter who you are. 
Mm-hmm. And you deal with obviously all le- levels of government as well. We've got uh, you know our MP or MPPs. Yeah. You've dealt with them all. Do we get the level of, of recognition outside of the city? Oh what yeah, we yeah, we we definitely do. And as a matter of fact, Phil McCollman was a goalie when I coached him in junior hockey. And he did a hockey night in Brantford, and he plays yes, goal in that. Yes. Now, did you drop the puck for that event yes, as well? Yes. Now you get invited to a lot of puck drops. What's that feel like? Well, just feels feels wonderful. It's special to do that because not everybody gets a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I know is that puck drops when you have four or five people, and a lot of people don't understand. They'll have one. There'll be five or six people standing there. And the one person will have the puck and drop it. That's not the way to do it. I do it a different way. I get all five, six people put their hand on the puck. We all drop it together. It's a togetherness. I always do that. And that, I think, sums it up perfectly. Is there anything else you'd like to share with people? No. Anybody who's watching this program, if you've never been to Brentford, Ontario, please come. It's the center of the universe. It's the best city in all Canada and the world. Thank you very much, everybody. The Lord Mayor of Brantford, Walter Gretzky, thank you so much thank for you. being on the 99th Point Nine podcast. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for listening to the Social Business Hangout. My name is Robert Levine, and you can reach me at socialbusinessmentor.com. The Social Business Hangout podcast series is available on iTunes. This podcast was recorded in Brantford, Ontario on November 5th, 2014. I'd like to thank my special guest, the Lord Mayor of Brantford, Walter Gretzky. Stay humble.